You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruit in your heart now and always. Shall we rise? Shall we rise? Shall we rise? Father, we bless your holy name. We give you praise. We adore you, Lord Jesus. We know that you have our best interests at heart. And that while we wait, you are making the blessing ready. We shall not miss it out of hurry in the name of Jesus. We will stay in the place where you told us to wait. We will wait for your next word. We will be patient to wait for your next word. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. As we stand, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. I'll read two verses. Matthew chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And without a parable, he did not speak to them. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. We bless you, Jesus, once more. As we speak the parables, let the ears of your people be open. Let the eyes of your people be open. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's be seated. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for Jesus. I salute you, men of God. I greet you this morning. Ladies and gentlemen of the kingdom, men and women that have been redeemed by the blood, you are welcome to church. You're welcome to this new series we're starting. I read that scripture to say that in this last three weeks of the month of October in New Wine, we'll be considering what we have tagged scriptural footbosophy. I, I saw Philo Baba in the house some minutes ago. Scriptural what? Footbosophy. You know, when somebody saw this topic and they're like, what does this even mean? My explanation is, it's a parable of football. Parables of football. Going through my Bible, I noticed that about one third of all the teachings of Jesus were done in parables. One third. One One out of every three things he said. He said it in parables. Why? About 30 of them. Different, different kinds of parables. And he kept using everyday things in those parables. Maybe sheep. Maybe coin. Living. Maybe somebody baking cake. You know, everyday things. A woman sweeping a house, coin fell down, she was sweeping everywhere to gather it. We do that. A prodigal son, you know, we, we do all that. God says, go this way. I said, no, no, no. I, I'd rather go this other way. Everyday things. Parable of the good Samaritan, after wisdom was service, you are passing, or really exist, some voice rush you, you know. Everyday things. To teach things that are very deep. Things about the kingdom of God, he will teach them using those very simple things. Things about human relationship, 
things about love, about forgiveness. In fact, on Sunday, we're still speaking about one of those parables in the book of Luke chapter 18. Things about prayer. You know, you go into your friend's house knocking in the night. And some of us have been in that shoe before. You arrive late in town. You have nowhere else to go. You just see that friend that cannot say no to you. You go and be banging his door until they will open. Just to say persistence in prayer is key. So he uses all sorts of things that are everyday things to explain things that are deeper in nature. Things about eschatology. About how the kingdom of God will be, what will happen when it's coming back using fig trees. It's normal. In my head, if Jesus were to be teaching a subject this morning in person, in Lagos, in Nigeria, I'm not sure he will not speak a parable about how we paid 7.2 billion naira to vote for Bibi Niger. You, you, you understand? Contemporary issues that everybody can relate to. Just to say that, would you rather save your resources in heaven than spend it on earthly fleeting pleasure that has no eternal value on your life? If anything negative. It will probably use those examples of how somebody will be put in charge of pension fund and then will transfer it to personal account and disappear for two years. It will probably use those examples. So it is not out of place to use parables to explain deep spiritual matters. Are we together? So, for this week, next week, and the last week of October, we want to take different aspects of one of our everyday issues to discuss kingdom matters, values that transcend even beyond our Christian work to family relationships, to career to our businesses, to how we run our businesses. Is that okay? That subject is football. All the men in the house, I know that's where we actually have a conflict of remotes. Not a conflict of interest. <laughs> Madame wants to watch Z-Word. You want to watch Premiership. <laughs> this Z-Word. <laughs> it's because the problem is 90 <laughs> No, that's, that's the moment, even for those of us who claim not to have a team, somewhere deep inside of us, when there's a football match, I just want to see. Before, I just want to see five minutes, ten minutes you are watching. You're already kicking your leg when somebody should have kicked the ball into the net, you know. Do you have that feeling? Does it happen to only me? Say, you should have done it, you should have. <laughs> so that's what we're going to be doing this morning. And we want to pick a number of concepts. I don't want to be too optimistic with time. So I'm just going to start with one and see where that takes us. I have three this morning. But I'll start with one and see where time takes us. Hallelujah. Let's, okay, let's go. Let's go. First Corinthians chapter 12. This morning we are focusing on the football concept of team. Team. I read First Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read from verse... 12. I run through. First Corinthians chapter 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all members of that one body be many and one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, 
and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is one member, but many. It's not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be smelling? But now, God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the end, I have no need of you. No, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on this we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Hallelujah. Football is a team sport. True or false? Even back, back in the days when you used to play monkey post on the streets. How many of us played monkey post on the street? Car will be coming like this. Somebody will be watching where car is coming. <laughs> Father, have mercy. We just set posts. Back then, my mom should never know that you are playing football on the street. So we set a watchman <laughs> at the corner of the streets. Once she imagines, everybody disappears. And next thing, we are having a book in the hand. Sometimes the book is upside down. <laughs> but we just do it. So, you don't say, I'm playing in a football uh, team and I'm playing alone. It's a team sport. Even if it's those monkey pose, at least there'll be two, three aside. Five aside, two, three aside. Otherwise, you're a board juggler. You're not a footballer. Okay. So, it's a team sport. And the parallel we are drawing is that God is a team person. God, our Father, is a team person. Genesis 1, 26, he said, let us make man in our own image. Don't ask me who he was talking to. We'll come there later. Let us. He could have done it all by himself. Let us make man in our own image. Consultation in the team. After he made the man, he looked at the man, the man just did suffer. Only him, he will go in the morning, he will come back at night. Me, myself and I said, it is not good for this man to be alone. He needs to be in a team. For as many of us who are trusting the Lord to enter such a team, I pray that the Lord will locate you in your own team in the name of Jesus. He said, it's not good that this man should be alone. I will find a team member that will compliment him for him. It's team. First John chapter 5, from 7 to 8. He said there are three who bear witness in heaven. Go to verse 8. He said there are three who bear witness in earth. Why will not one bear witness? So no, let's do it as a team. So that our witness will be strong. 
the Father, the Word, the Spirit in heaven. See, they bear witness. He could have just said, I'm the Father, I'm in charge, I'm the CEO, I'll bear witness alone, my witness is strong enough. So no, let the three of us form a team. A three-fold cord. The Bible says, what? Cannot be easily broken. Two are better than one. Search all true scriptures. You see God pushing the idea of team, team, team. Jesus Christ came. He had a very short ministry on earth. Three and a half years. He could have said, ah, I'm in a hurry. Let me run and do it alone. He said, if you want to go fast, say go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. She? Say, no, I want to go far. Even though my time is short. But because I want to go far, let me create a team around me. A team of 12. We see it all through scriptures. God is pro-team. Pro-team. Let me have the second slide, please. A team is made of different people, but it is still one team. I'm talking back to football now. Back to football. In this slide, I see a goalkeeper. Do we know the person wearing that number four? People are not watching football. Do I have young people in the house? Who is the person wearing number four there now? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They said the guy, nobody beats him, nobody passes him. He will mark you down. <laughs> Next one, who do we see there? Austin J.J. Okocha. When that man stays in the midfield, there will be supply. Put that man inside the post. <laughs> they will spread Nigeria. When you see somebody do like this, <laughs> you know something has just happened. When you see that signature move, you know something has just happened. The net just finished vibrating. Because a goal has been scored. That's what he knows how to do. Make him number five. You will suffer. Say, Ronaldo, today you are going to play in the central defense position. You will suffer. Then we see somebody on the pitch. There's a team that every January, they always have injury issues. In the premiership. (laughs) At the beginning of the season, they always do well. January like this, they don't have good bench. Injury problem, they start falling. We see the medics, the paramedics of the team, attending to them. So there are other people in the team that are not wearing jersey. The team psychologist, a manager was sacked because he didn't relate with team psychologist properly. Moreno, when he was in Chelsea, right? Ah, team doctor. Wasn't relating well with the team doctor. Sometimes the morale of the team is down because the psychology is not working well. And um, lastly, we, who, who do we have there? Sir Alex Ferguson. I said all that to say that in a team, there are different abilities. People are not the same. But everybody is needed. Why you are in the team is because there is something unique you can contribute Something you can bring. 
By the way, the kingdom of God is a team. And we are the winning team. Hallelujah. We are the winning team. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. So the match has already been won. We have collected the trophy. We are just there to appear. So kingdom is a team. Church is a team. Which team are you in? And what are you contributing to that team? You are in that team because there is something that only you are supposed to provide and supply to that team. If you are not supplying to that team, you are not in that team. Every member of every team is expected to supply something. If you want hymns, we know the people that supply hymns in this church. Am I shaking the table? If you want prayer, we know the teams that supply prayer. If you want clean environment, we know the team that supplies clean environments. If you want media to move smoothly, we know the team that supports that. What team are you playing for? Where's your position in the team? Every team member must have his own position. You are on the pitch, you are at the bench, you are in the dressing room, you must have something you are providing. Beyond church, in our homes, your husband, your wife, you are a child, senior bros, younger bros, younger sis, it doesn't matter. In that family, what are you contributing? You see, we have problem when husband depends only on wife to do everything in the house or the wife depends only on the husband to do everything in the house. There's going to be a problem because at some point you will reach your huge point and you buckle on that load. They say, I can't take it anymore. I'm moving out. It didn't start in one day. It's because over time we got used to being over pampered and we just want to be receiving, 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 receiving. That's not how teams work. Teams work when everybody is working. And together each achieves more. We've got to be supplying something. Oh, in your office, they don't like my face. Eh, because you alone want to do your work. You don't want to collaborate with others. You finish writing your reports. Straight, you send it to your line manager. Can you not just share with your peers for a review? I know how many times that my peers have checked my work and say, ah, Ross, check, check this area again. Many times too, I've done that for colleagues. Don't go and embarrass yourself. You send it to your boss first. You now see that big capital error. It doesn't make sense. I know you are smart, you are intelligent, you are spirit-filled, but can you please collaborate? Even Paul, when God, you see, this was somebody that Jesus had wanted directly. There was no advert. He went to him. I see this guy has got potentials. He's going on a journey. He's going to play for another team. I intercept him before the season will close and I buy him over. Last day, I buy him over. I pay. I send somebody from my team. Hey, Mr. Ananias, get up. Go and meet brother Paul. Get his, get him to have his sight. Pray for him. Blah, blah, blah. He prayed for him. He said, Paul went away for 14 years. He went to Arabia. Studying. Receiving from the Lord directly. But when he came back, he came to compare notes in Jerusalem. There's peer review in Bible. He said, so that the things that I'm teaching, let me confirm that it's the same thing. You know, he didn't work with Jesus physically. He said, the people who work with him, let me go and compare my notes with them 
to be sure I'm not teaching nonsense. I just want to do it alone. No, it doesn't work like that. In a team, whenever you find yourself in church, at home, at work, work with others. It can only add to you. It can't take away from you. What you know, you know. What you need is what others know. And you rob yourself when you don't share. Many organizations have understood this and they picked it from the Bible. They create a culture that forces you to collaborate. For them, collaboration is not an option. It's the only way to work. Say, like, these are our ways of working. You have to work like this. You can't work in silos. You want a team? You've got to know yourself and develop yourself to the maximum. Develop yourself to the maximum. Quit competing with others. Quit competing with others. They are not the reason you are in the team. You are not the reason they are in the team. You are there because you are needed. Let them do their thing and you do your thing. Quit competing with them. There is no way on earth that a Lionel Messi wants to be the best goalkeeper in the world. See, all, all those Balondo he has collected, he will lose everything. Because his reputation will just fall. He will make a name as the worst keeper ever. Because he's trying to play on another person's stuff. Know what you were put in the team to do. Master it. Be the SME on it. Subject matter expert. Be the subject matter expert in what you have been sent to that team to do. Are you called to preach? Oh my God. Get all the resources you need to preach. Get it and do it well. Are you called to lead? Read books about leadership. Get close to great leaders. Let them mentor you. Be the best leader you can be at your level. Are you called to give? Be the best giver within your capacity. In your team, you are needed. If you are not working optimally, your team suffers. You didn't get that. We have crisis in our homes because each person is not supplying enough. I'll never forget one counsel I got well, when my wife and I were about to get married. The man of God told us during marriage counseling, he said, don't follow the word in saying marriage is 50-50. You bring your 50, I bring my 50. He said, you bring your 100 and I bring my 100. Because we are human, sometimes we try to bring 100. That is the aspiration. Maybe we'll bring 70, we'll bring 80. If the other person does the same thing, guess what? We exceed 100. We exceed expectation. I'll never forget that. So in your team, supply your 100%. And to do that takes discipline. It takes you developing yourself and many other things. Most people that are known for doing great things in life didn't do it by competing with others. They did it by competing with themselves. They are remembered for their strengths, not their weaknesses. If I'm going to remember any of these footballers who have mentioned, who remember them for their strengths. Say, oh, Ronaldo scoring machine. If I mention Rashidi Yakini, what comes to your mind? Go. Dribble? I don't know about that. Attack? I don't know. I mean, uh, defend? I don't know about that. Uh, create chances? I don't know about that. But go? I know about that. Put him there, nine out of ten, the net will shake. That's what we remember him for. His strengths. Not his weaknesses. 
So sometimes we get, we get fixated on our weakness. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't, can't, but you can do this. Do that which you can do. That's what you will eventually be remembered for. Not the things you can't do. Not the things you can't do. My time is flying. I go to my second point. Second point about team that we want to emphasize this morning is that there are times that a good player sits on the bench. There are times that a good player needs to sit on the bench. All right. Let's read uh, scriptures. Second Samuel 21 from 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. Please follow me. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David did what? I didn't hear you. Next verse, please. And Ishbibinob, what a name, which was the sons of the giants, the weight of Uspel weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being guarded with the new sword, the guy is in form, thought to have slain David. He said, this is an opportunity for me to kill David. I'm in form. David is what? What? He don't tire. But Apishai, the son of Zeroiah, succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Oga, thou shalt no more go out with us to battle that thou quench not the light of Israel. Is David a great warrior? Arguably one of the greatest around. Thank God he was in a team. At the moment he was weak. Oh boy, one new guy on the street said, this is my opportunity to become a hero. I'm not killing any other person. Let me just kill David and become a hero. But somebody in David's team, Abishai said, no, 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 not today. Attacked the guy, took him down. Okay, let's go back to our slides. Top left corner. Who do we see there on the seat? Leo Messi on the bench. Eh? Then who is collecting red cards there? Suarez. I don't know if he beat somebody. <laughs> Ah, oh, who's the next person wearing that Asna jersey? No, that's not the bio. Kanon Wako in Asna. We're coming there. I'm saying this to lay a foundation. How many of us remember Kanon Wako playing in Asna? You know, you know when he was always coming in? 80 minutes, 75 minutes, and he was Cisco. I don't know, maybe because he doesn't have too much energy, or it was a strategic move. You sit on the bench for like 80% of the time. 80% of the time, you go in and do what those who have been playing for 80% of the time have not done. Follow me. We're going somewhere. And what do we see in the bottom left corner? They are substituting some, somebody. Okay. The next player in uh, Leicester, Jesse, is who? Kelechi Ienacho. How many of us watch football actively? Ah. I'm not really, you are too shy. Okay. That's Kelechi Nacho. Ah. Okay, then the last one. Paul Pogba and who? 
Morino. We know the story, right? Okay. So, the foundation has been laid. Let me talk now. I start with the scripture we read. Where David lost form. So, there are times that you will lose form. It doesn't mean that you're not a good player. As Christians, there are times we lose form. Has it happened to you before? Be honest. Like you're just not feeling it. You want to pray, you're not feeling it. You want to fast, but by 9 a.m., it looks as if all the worms in this world are biting only your stomach. You just want to do it, you can't do it. You, you are struggling, you, you feel that you're struggling. Or even you, you are a minister, at, at some point you just feel dry. They give you a microphone, you feel dry, you don't know what to say. There are such times. There is honor in sitting down on the bench. During that moment. Don't go and disgrace yourself. If David was too stubborn that day, and said, I don't know, is this small boy? I, I kill Goliath, his big bros. The, the man will fall. He said, oh God, don't snuff out the light of Israel. Respect yourself. Go and sit down. It's time to sit down. So there is time to honorably sit down. Even though it's your team. Sit down. When you lose form or when you are injured, people get, soldiers get injured. Don't go and fight when you are injured. Sit down. Let others do the fighting where you are being nursed back to health. The kingdom still needs you. Your family still needs you. Your office needs you. Sometimes you overdo yourself in the office. You you work from morning to night. You work at home. When you are going back to work uh, in the car, you keep working. At some time, your head is just feeling dry. And you keep going, madam, bros, it's time to ask for leave. Say, please, can I have just two days? They will not sack you because you've been performing when you are available. The only time HR will have problem with you is that when you are there, they are not seeing your impact. <laughs> you now want to ask for leave. Haba. Haba. Even Yusuf. <laughs> Think I'm. Eh? Think I'm. There are times when we are substituted. Sometimes it's a strategic substitution. There's one scripture I want us to read about this one. First Samuel 18. No, Second Samuel 18. Second Samuel. 18. Each time I read this scripture, there's a particular meaning I read into it. Second Samuel 18. We will take time to read it more at home. Um, I'll just make a few points. David, then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run now and take the news to the king. How the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. Quick background. This was when Absalom was fighting his father, David, and David was running away, and the army of Israel said, Let's go and finish Absalom. Somehow, even though David gave instruction, Don't hurt the young man, they have already killed him. So, after he died, one of the soldiers, the one that usually takes good news to the king, when battle is successful, his name is Ahimaaz. Ahimaaz. So, this is Ahimaaz. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run now and take the news to the king, how the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said to him, Joab is the commander on the battlefield, said to him, You shall not take the news this day. Please pay attention. For you shall take the news another day. But today, 
you shall take no news because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushites, go, tell the king what you have seen. So the Cushite bowed himself to Joab and ran. And Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, but whatever happens, please, let me also run after the Cushites. So Joab said, why will you run, my son, since you have no news ready? Hey, but whatever happens, he said, let me run. I want to run. So he said to him, run. Then Aimas ran by way of the plane and outran the Kushites with empty news. Empty mandates. Say, Oga, sit down. Let another person run today. Say, no. I must run. I'm always the one that starts praise and worship. I must be the one to do it. I'm the one that must start service. I must be the one to do it. Nobody must do it. In my office, I'm the one that is in charge of this project. No other person must know about it. Say no today. Not today. Sit down on the bench today. Sit down on the bench today. The captain knew what he was doing. The young man agreed. He kept pushing. Let me, because of our time, I'll just run to um, verse 29. So, finally, he outran the man with the message. So, he arrived at the destination before the man that was sent with the message. So, 29 said, the king said, this is David, is the young man Absalom safe? Ahimaaz answered, when Joab sent the king's servants and me, pay attention. <laughs> I've never seen this kind of guy before. <laughs> when Joab sent the king's servants and me, your servants, I saw a great tumult, but I did not know what it was about. <laughs> You didn't know what it was about and you were running. Running for what? Running for what? I didn't know what it was about. <laughs> and the king said, turn aside and stand here. Hey, Jesus, may I not be embarrassed like that? Say you are wrong. You are sweating. 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 You got there. Nothing. Say, okay, stand aside. Let the person that has information talk. There are errands that God did not send you that you are running. There are things you have no business doing. But you are just pushing yourself there. Or maybe when your time has finished, John the Baptist, he said, now that I have shown you the Lamb of God, I must decrease. Why you must decrease? If you keep on staying there, your head will be put on Eros platter. His ministry ought to have ended. It ought to have ended at the point he introduced the Lamb of God. Read your Bible. It was sent to show who the Lamb of God was. That's the end of his ministry. But because I want to keep running. You keep running. Let me keep running. But I will reduce the volume. But I will still be running. He ran into error's trouble. There is a time to stop when you are not the one who is sent. So he kept running. And the king now said, okay, Oga, stay, stay one side. And the king said, turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. Just then, the Cushites came. And the Cushites said, there is good news, my lord, the king. For the lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. And the king said to the Cushites, is the young man Absalom safe? The same question he asked Mr. Arana. Is the young man Absalom safe? So the Cushites answered, may the enemies of my lord, the king, and all who rise against you to do harm, um, be like that young man. Has he delivered the message? 
That's the man with the message. So there is a time that you need to be substituted. Let those who are being asked to feature in the team match, let them play. Say, boy, I'm the one that's always wearing number nine jersey. Eh, number nine jersey. Let another person wearing 99, let him play number nine position today. Hallelujah. There are times that we sit on the bench out of indiscipline. Referee has given you card. Red card. When they give you red card, you will not play next match. No be so. So you are sitting on the bench because of what? Indiscipline. Shh, shh. At other times, you are sitting on the bench because of indiscipline, not because some, somebody asked you to sit there, but because you have decided to do something bad. Remember David? Ambasheba. Nobody gave him card to sit down at home. But because he had other motives, he was at home during that period, and his eyes were looking to and fro. He saw what he ought not to have seen. So there are times that that also happens. At other times too, we sit on the bench because of personal issues with the man in charge. This one is deep. My time is about up. I'll just make this one point. I probably will run it off here. There are times that you could be a David in Saul's palace. Are you getting me? Not that David wasn't doing well. He was doing everything well. Helpful to the nation. Personally helpful to Saul. But when Saul began to feel, said this guy is becoming more popular than I am. In my own nation. So let me start benching him. Said so he started removing him from the inner carcass. Started removing him. Then at some point he started attacking him. When you begin to attack your own team members, you know there's a problem. What I love the most about this is in first uh, Samuel eighteen. We will not read it. First Samuel eighteen, just go and read through. Three times there. The Bible says concerning David. That David behaved himself wisely. I pray for you when you find yourself on the bench for that reason, that you will behave yourself wisely. When you behave yourself wisely, they cannot catch you. They cannot catch you because there will come a time that God will come and lift you. So while you are on that bench, be there and behave yourself wisely. It's not time to decamp. When you are on that bench for such a reason, it's not time to decamp. After all, they did not like me. They are benching me. Every match, they are benching me. Don't be like Judas. I said, this is the time to go and sell out on my team. I go and snitch. Uh-huh. So they are going to Gethsemane now. They did not take me. You know, it was not one of those who were chosen to go to Gethsemane to pray with the Lord. Hello? So, uh-huh. they want to go and have a Nakakos meeting. I'll go and snitch on them so that they go and arrest them. Don't be like Judas. So, they are benched me now. I go spoil markets. Don't spoil the markets. You can actually support your team from the bench. And that's why we use canon work there. He will sit on the bench, but when he comes on top, he does something magical. Seek to understand the situation. Why am I really on the bench? Sometimes it's because of our ego too. Let's say the truth. They gave you one small opportunity. You have made a mountain out of it. You say, ah, this one, if you continue like this, you go sell everybody. Go and sit down. So try to understand the issues. Be objective about it. 
Why am I really on the bench? Try to understand. A team wins together. A team loses together. I don't know of any team, after winning Champions League, they only give one person medal. They give all of them the medal, right? Have you observed that even those that did not touch the ball one time throughout the entire tournament, they will collect medal. Have you heard of a team that when they get relegated, they will keep some players and send them to the senior league? When we are relegated, we are relegated together. Let that sink. We win together or lose together. I pray that we'll continue to be on the winning team. I pray that we'll be the shouting side. I pray that each one of us will be great team players. Not just in church, but in our homes we will not be quarreling and competing with our spouses. I pray that in our offices we'll be seen as great team players. People whose presence make the team to perform. Shall we rise? Shall we rise? Shall we rise? I want us to pray for our kingdom. Our kingdom. We need more team-mindedness. Not this church fighting that church. Even intra-church issues. Not this department fighting that department. I want us to pray for unity. To work together. That we continue to win. That we continue to win together. I want us to pray that Lord, give us that mindset. Your kind of team mindset that produces results. That produces, give us that kind of mindset. We want to be a performing team. We want to be a team that is winning. A team that is going forward. Not a team that is being relegated. A team that is being promoted. A team that is winning medals. A team that is winning trophies. That's what we want to be. Help us to have your kind of mindset.